Hey friends, Stephen here. I've got another follow-up episode for you today. And for those of you who are new to the podcast or new to follow-ups, these are bonus episodes that I put out for patrons who support the show at patreon.com slash thenuggetclimbing. There's a link right there in your podcast app if you want to learn more. My follow-up today is with Jonathan Segrist. This is actually his fourth time on the podcast. I put the list of other episodes he's been on right there in the episode description for this short teaser. I'm going to give you about 20 to 25 minutes of our conversation for free right here in this teaser. And the full thing, it's basically a full-length episode with Jonathan, an hour and 32 minutes. That's available right now for patrons. So you can go to patreon.com and sign up and listen to the full episode right now. But yeah, this is my fourth time having Jonathan on the show. It's always so much fun to talk to this guy. He's so easy to talk to. He's so thoughtful about everything he does when it comes to his sport climbing, projecting, red pointing, training, etc. I mean, this guy is the best sport climber in America and definitely one of the best sport climbers in the world. He's got the resume to prove it. And he's on fire this year. He's 36 years old. He's having the best year of his life as far as climbing goes and sending hard things. And it was super cool to catch up with him and compare what we talked about two years ago to what his approach looks like today. We talked about some of his training and how that has evolved. He's doing a lot of training on his home wall, just doing hard boulder problems on the home wall these days. We talked about his philosophy with that. We talked about the 50-50 rule that he likes to have for projecting versus trying to send things that he can do quickly. We talked about how to train for really sustained sport climbing, where there's long crux sections of 20 to 30 hard moves in a row. That was super helpful. That's something I really struggle with, and he had some really great ideas for how I could train that and for how others can train for that if they struggle with that sort of thing. We also talked about the Fins Project, which is his 515B at least project at the Fins in Idaho how he's thinking about that and whether or not that's something that still feels important to him. We talked about the potential for trying to climb 515C and his plans to move to France and so much more. This is just one of those conversations where I'm just reminded how much there is to learn from people like Jonathan. You know, there's a reason why when someone starts dating a really strong climber or starts hanging out with really strong climbers, they just seem to shoot through the grades. It's because a guy like Jonathan has so many little nuggets of wisdom and experience to pass on and to share. And as many conversations as I've had on the podcast and as much of that as I feel like I've already learned, I'm always shocked. There's always more to learn. And there was a ton of great nuggets and super helpful stuff in this conversation for me personally. So That's what you can expect from the full episode. Again, the full version's an hour 32. I'm gonna give you about a third of that, maybe a little less in this free teaser so you can get a feel for it. And if you wanna listen to the full thing, you can sign up for Patreon right now at patreon.com slash thenuggetclimbing. There's a link right there in your podcast app. The final thing I'll mention is that if you do sign up for Patreon, you're getting tons of value for five bucks a month. And it's an amazing way to support the show. That's what keeps me going and allows me to keep putting out all these episodes every Monday. But yeah, you'll get access to all the follow-ups. You'll get ad-free episodes, so you don't have to skip the ads anymore in the Monday episodes. And you'll also get a URL that you can plug into your podcast app and you can subscribe to the patron version of the Nugget Climbing Podcast. This is 
ad-free episodes and all of the follow-ups all in one place. And you can listen to it on Apple Podcasts, just like the regular show, but you can subscribe to the patron version of the podcast. There's even a different logo, which looks super cool. So yeah, I encourage you to check out Patreon to learn more. And in the meantime, I hope you enjoy this free teaser of my latest follow-up with Jonathan Segrist. Yeah, you can raise it or lower it a little bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. It's, I'm sure it's... Probably doesn't even matter where it is. Just have it closer to you, like right on the edge of the table. Oh, okay. If that works. You think it's... Wow. I mean, you, you're you the man. You know, but... Yeah, if you can, like, be right up like a fist width away. Yeah, okay. That's wow. the way. Um, yeah, that sounds good. Pretty simple setup. Yeah, we'll hold it. Because then I can <laughs> lean back. <laughs> is, this, is this allowed because you're on a break from climbing right now? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, because I have... I, have I still laugh about that, dude. In my, like, my arms? You probably have the fittest forearms of anyone I've ever interviewed. <laughs> and you're like, I can't hold this microphone. <laughs> dude, I, I'm really... Yeah, I think I'm anal about how much exercise I have on well, these days. You, you take it super seriously. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's dive right into that, actually. I'm curious. So you're on a mountain biking trip right now? Yeah. And that's interesting to me because it's easy for me to imagine that Jonathan just climbs like five days a week all year round and never stops. Um, <laughs> is it important for you? Like, was this intentional? Like, try to take a break from climbing for a little bit? Or was it more just like a fun biking opportunity? Or I guess, how do you think about like rest cycles? Well, I mean, in this case specifically, there's a couple fellows that I grew up with and before I started climbing, I was an avid mountain biker. I did some racing and like was just hyper into it. And they continued to ride when I got into climbing. And then I took a really long break from mountain biking. And then I ended up buying a bike probably four years ago or something. And it was, loved it. I think it was just a perfect time in my life to find a complimenting pursuit that, um, I think a lot of people understand when I say this, but I, I wouldn't necessarily characterize climbing as fun. Like fun wouldn't be one of the like first huh. that makes sense, words that I use for climbing. I find it incredibly rewarding and I'm passionate about it and it's everything to me. But mountain biking is a is a way to be outside for me that's pure joy. Mm. At the end of the day... I'm not upset about my performance or I don't care if I quote unquote won or lose, win or lose or whatever. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that in the long term, if I quit climbing and I was only riding bikes, I don't think that I would get nearly the same amount of um, satisfaction, like deep felt satisfaction from it. Maybe, maybe I could find a way, but it, that's not the role that it plays in my life. You know, it really just plays a role of like joy, like being a kid and just like not fighting gravity, actually going with it. And, and so, you know, this is twofold. This is me trying to, uh, entertain that side of my life and also give myself an opportunity to catch up with these guys that I love so much that I don't get to spend that much time with because I'm so psycho about climbing that it, mm. it, basically drives every trip I do, every decision I make, everything all the time. So it's nice to have a week or a couple weeks every now and then and just do something else, you know? And, and riding is one of the things that I can use as like a vehicle to get out of climbing. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, man. Mm -hmm. Last time I saw you was November of 2020, I think. I don't think I've, it's been a couple of years almost yeah, since, yeah, I've, probably. since I've seen you. And 
uh, or that was a follow-up that we did. I think last time I saw you was in Lander, actually, um, two summers ago, and you had just wrecked super hard. On yes, your, <laughs> on totally. Your, on your mountain yeah, bikes. Yeah, I know. Well, shit, that's a really good segue and a good reminder because the worst two injuries I've had, basically, I don't want to say ever, but maybe ever, are both from biking. Right. Because yeah. I, I mean, the type, the style of biking that I like the most is downhill mountain biking and I like to go fast and it's more fun the faster you go and as a blessing and a curse because I spent so much time as a kid getting good at that it's a blessing because I don't really think that people in their mid or late 30s should start trying to downhill mountain bike like at that age having no experience with bikes because it's the kind of thing that like it just takes a certain amount of wiping out to get good at it and be confident <laughs> at it. And you can do that when you're 14, no problem. But yeah. when you're fucking 36 or whatever, you don't want to do that all the time. So it's a blessing because I kind of got that out of the way and I'm decent at it. So I f it's fun, you know, because all these pursuits are more fun the little bit better you are, you know, like skiing, biking, running, whatever. So that's a that's a blessing. But the curse is that it's just not fun to go slow. Like I'm not, <laughs> it's not fun. Like yeah. it's fun to go huge and to get, speed and to open it up, you know? And so definitely have to find a happy medium there. And I think that now, especially with like how ambitious I am about my climbing over the next couple of years, I'm going to try and taper a little bit back from, I went really hard the summer that I was cra I crashed. I felt really confident, but I also was like going just, just fully like letting it, letting like it pushing go. It yeah. Bit. And pushing it. Yeah. yeah. Definitely starting to get into that realm of like, that was sick. I think I can go a little faster. Like, I think I can go bigger, you know? And that just gets you into that, like, that gets a little scary. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll find a good medium, I think. And my two friends that are really good friends of mine that ride, and they're great riders, they're a little more conservative than I am, probably because they're smarter because they do it all the time. And so I'll take a cue from them and not just, like, nice. full. <laughs> not open Not just go full 18-year-old. Yeah, that's, that's rad. It's, um... I mean, of all the sports that friends of mine do, it seems like mountain biking is like the number one where people break collarbones, break wrists and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, like I know, on, I know. On wood, on wood, but, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I'm, I've been like scared off of it. I think. It's so fun though. But it's so fun. It's so fun. And and there's tons of ways to ride where you're not, it's, you're not in putting yourself in that much danger, you mm. know, and, mm -hmm. and, and you don't. You, yeah, you don't have to go huge or go fast to have fun, like, especially if you're new to it, mm -hmm. but yeah. Yeah. Nice. It's fun. Well, it's good to see you again. Yeah, you too, man. It's funny. I uh, I feel like I've been hanging out with you for two hours already this morning because I re-listened to our first oh, episode. Oh, nice. Oh, cool. Because, yeah, you and I, I mean, that was an early one for me. It was episode 14. The first one in Lander. The, no, the first one that you and I did at your house in Vegas. Okay, yeah. That, okay. Was, that was episode 14 of the podcast, Um, which is funny because it's like- Wow, what are you on now? 128 Dude, <laughs> that's impressive, man. Thanks. How many fucking hours, you know, of work? A lot. Is oh, of work. Uh, I thought you were going to say of talking. I mean, a lot of talking. But I mean, that's so work much and more, then all so the post work. and then all the promotion and all the, I mean, yeah. dude, it's a... Yeah, it's a full-time job. Huge amount. It's been it's effort. been a full-time yeah. job for, for two years and it was definitely cringy going back and like... And I'm sure I'm my own harshest critic, but I was like something I had to learn early on was um, like active listening is great, 
mm-hmm. unless you're recording a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of listening I was is like, preferred? Mm-hmm, mm. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, I see. Like, just, like affirmations all just the time. constant, dude. Yeah, I was yeah. listening to it this morning like, God, shut up to myself. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, it's it was really fun to revisit that. And it's funny because it, it feels like a lifetime ago. Mm. And yet it was only two, two years ago. And a lot of the things that we talked about, you know, we did a really geeky deep dive on your training for people that haven't heard that one. I, I still recommend that episode because it's all totally relevant still. Like you I'm were, sure, yeah. you were already climbing 515B and, and crushing. And um, there was some like reminders in there for me listening to it this morning. Like, oh yeah, that's cool. I, I, I remember like feeling inspired by some of the things that you were doing and planning to play with them and never really getting to that. So now I'm like, oh, that kind of gets me fired up to try some. Oh, that's things. cool. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. I'm sure if I listened to it, I'd be like, damn, that was a good idea. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's yeah. those things that work that we forget to keep doing. For oh, some yeah, reason. 100%. Man, yeah. You, we have such great ideas. And then, you know, it's easy to get sidetracked or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so for people that are newer to the podcast within the last year or so, we recorded episode 14. And then we record you. Uh, you were a guest on episode thirty six, which was like a fun mashup episode. It was you know six or eight people from Climbstrong, and then you happened to be oh, right. at the, the yes. training camp yeah. at Lander. Mm-hmm. So we, you know that was like a fifteen minute one right after your bike crash. And then we did a short follow up in November twenty twenty. I think you were in the Northeast, and you had just sent New World, which was your okay, yes. project yeah. at the five G in Vegas. Yeah. And at the time, like we talked about that and we talked about the Event Horizon project. Yeah. Which was like the harder direct finish to this thing. And uh, and I was so, I've been so inspired by you this spring, man, because your trip to Spain was just insane. You climbed like five routes, 9A and harder in a month or something that you were there. It's just totally mind-blowing. And then you came back and, and sent the Event Horizon project. So yeah. first off, congrats on a great year so far. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really psyched. Super happy. Yeah. And I want to hear about Event Horizon because we did talk about it. You'd already done New World. And I just remember you saying like, this thing's going to be 15B at least, mm-hmm. like for sure. And it you, you were just, I could tell in your voice that you were like intimidated by it. Oh my God. Yeah, like, it's totally gonna, was. It's going to be nauseating, you know? Yeah. How'd it go? Did you try it last year? Because that was almost two years ago now. Did you try it at all in the interim or did you feel like you had to level up to come back for that thing? I didn't try it at all in between. So New World is characterized by this like opening boulder problem that's like five or six bolts long. It's super, super continuous. That's a long boulder problem. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I say boulder problem because there's nowhere to stop and it's really aggressive. Yeah. But it's, you know, I don't know how many moves it is, but it's probably like 25 moves or something. So it's not like, you know, like a normal boulder problem. It's just, I I just use that term because it seems like the best way to describe it. So, yeah, and in a new world, you do this really hard boulder problem, and then you kind of get a mini shake, and then you do another much easier boulder problem, and then you get a very good shake, and then you do probably like a 14A or B max. Um, And I call that one 15A. And that took quite a bit of effort. I was also coming back from my bike injury. Mm. So um, in a weird way, I actually felt really good coming back from the injury because I think it floored me for a couple months, like no climbing, no distraction. And I was really on point with all of my PT. And thankfully, the people that I worked with were able to give me some really cool protocols to keep 
my fingers really strong throughout. I did a bunch of BFR, which yeah, I'm we we talked about that a little psyched bit. Psyched on for mm-hmm. that kind of thing, and then I remember reaching some milestones. Even when my shoulder was still like really still healing, I was starting to do like one arm hangs and stuff, and it felt like awesome. And so it's really hard for me to know what my actual climbing condition was, but I basically went like straight into New World. And then that was a a bit of a process. I want to say five or six weeks or something like that of trying really hard on that thing and training in between. So then coming back for this, this other thing for Event Horizon, it's basically the same opening boulder problem, but there's just less rest and the top is much harder. Um, And I was really intimidated because I think that New World really pushed it for me, like mentally, it just is really hard for me to find good conditions. It was very dry. My skin tends to be super dry and the holds are like this kind of Vegas porcelain style. So things are really slippery. And so it took me a while to get the the strength endurance to get through the bottom. Like the first time I got through the bottom on New World is the first time I sent the route. And that took me like a month to get through the bottom, you know, at least. And it was kind of stressful on my relationship because I was climbing up there a bunch with Shayna and I was like kind of tweaking, you know, because I think I had been frothing so hard for months being injured and then training and putting so much pressure on myself to like come back in a big way and then Mm. fighting conditions. And it was a bit at the end of the season. So things were starting to get colder, which wasn't good for me with my skin. And anyways, so I think there was an emotional component there that made me slightly nervous about revisiting that. So I took a year, a season at 5G completely off from that. I did another hard FA just next to it that I call Black Hole Sun. But then it felt like the right time coming back from Spain because I had a really great, I did a couple of really nice first ascents that I'm really proud of in the Vegas area before Spain. Then Spain is the best climbing trip I've had in my life. And everything insane, just felt dude. like it clicked really well. The, the two, the last two weeks of that trip is like uh, two weeks in my climbing that I'll always remember, hmm. 100%. I was with a really supportive group of people, um, Drew Mack and my really good friend, Seth Lighton. And then uh, Cameron was there doing a film, which is actually going to release somewhat soon. Cameron Cameron Maurer. Yeah, uh, Bear Cam. And it's, uh, and it's not... Your typical film. We can talk about that later. It's very <laughs> unique and just going to be really cool. Cam's doing really cool shit. Now. Yeah, leave it up to on. him. He's, yeah, he yeah. is creative. Yeah. Right? yeah, cool. I'm excited. But so basically, I had this great experience of climbing there and I felt a lot of confidence and it just felt like coming home, it was like the perfect season as well for for this route. And so it just felt like the right time to like, you know, when I was up, feeling good about myself, feeling strong, it felt like a good time to go deep into something that I was a little bit nervous about. And so, uh, yeah, I just came back and just went immediately into it and started hammering away at it. And I felt great in the bottom and I started piecing together the top and I had a narrow time window because I was going to France, going to Seyus. I had about like five or six weeks or something before I left for Seyus. And so that was giving me some stress, but I, I kept kind of telling myself that this was a big project for me. And if I wasn't able to finish, then, you know, I could always come back and, um, I think I was able to keep it at that low level stress the whole time. Conditions worked out. Um, I think all the fitness from Spain was perfect and was able to finish it just like a week before I left. Very psyched. Yeah. Super psyched. How did the bottom feel compared to two years before? Uh, It felt better. Certainly at first, it felt better. 
And the first like several days, I was kind of like, shit, I'm going to get through the bottom soon, you know? And then I didn't because it's hard. <laughs> and, you know, I, I but I still had really good sensations about it. But then, yeah, as opposed to New World, basically you have worst resting opportunities. You go right after the bottom, you go straight into like a long, probably V11, like vert boulder. So it's kind of Oof. very reminiscent of like the fins and really cool style that really like imaginary like sequence that took me days to figure out. And then you have a really good rest and then it probably ends with a solid 14 B or maybe C to go to the top from there. Wow. So it's different in terms of its difficulty. <clears throat> but yeah, it just ended up being a route with a lot of hard climbing on it, a lot of places to fall, um, a lot of sections that all made me nervous. Basically had three different hard sections that all felt pretty hard. And, and pretty soon... I was like three hanging, like falling once in each section. But then it took me a while to get to like the two hanging situation and then the one hang and then eventually to do it. Um, I actually got through the bottom two or three times. I was going to ask that. Yeah. yeah. And, and still was falling in the upper part. So that's when it kind of like, because I just never know. I mean... Grades are so hard, and I, I've i been saying this for years, but I feel like the more hard climbing I do, the more confused I am about grades. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not helping me yeah. be certain about things I do or things I repeat or FAs I do or anything. It's making me less sure. Yeah. And so, you know, there was a moment where I was like, well, shit, maybe this thing's 15A and the other one's easier, and then that one should come down, and then that other thing I did, I should downgrade, and then this thing I should up, you know, and just throwing a stick in the spokes and whatever. But when I got through the bottom feeling pretty good and still fell in the top part, it was clear to me that it was harder than New World. And and it, I think the amount of effort I put into New World and how I felt when I did that, it just was like, I really think that's 15A. So then I think this should be B and, you know, that's the best you can do, man. It's like, <laughs> sure. it's such a struggle. Like there's so often times where I feel like things are easier, hard, or, you know, who knows? Mm -hmm. So it's just do the best you can each time you climb a route, you know? Yeah. And we never, I mean, this is kind of a unique situation where you were going back and basically repeating new world in a sense by doing the bottom again, but like we never go back and repeat things that are hard for us that we've done. Right. So I, I can totally relate to what you're saying. And, um, you know, my, my pyramid of boulders and roots is much smaller, but even so I've, have gotten more confused over time, not less. And then like you, your body changes, your strengths Dude. change, like some, you're better at certain things, you're worse at other things. It's always in this weird flux. And uh, totally. like, if I think about comparing things now to like roots I did at Smith Rock three years ago, it's it's like not even the same person. Exactly. It's crazy. <laughs> I, and I've had an enormous transformation in the last five years, four or five years, mm. I was terrified of really steep climbing, like cave climbing, stuff like that, right? And because I was not very good at it. And I tried my best to stay away from it by climbing mostly like, you know, two-dimensional stuff and, and face climbing. And I was really good at face climbing. I was excellent at that style. And then, you know, if you took me outside of the style, I would like suffer a bit and there are some things I could pull off but then over the last four years or so it just has felt like all of the hardest routes for me 
the things that I had ignored were just there still. And it was like, well, if I want to climb hard routes, and this is just a, this is just a process that's happened to me like four or five times in my climbing, where it's like, I did all those things. If I want to keep doing hard routes, I have to do this now. Mm. Even this thing that I kind of hate, whether it was like in the beginning, I hated like chipped pockets or chipped roots. You know, I was I'm like, just thinking I'm of potency as you're talking. Yeah, Clearlight, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember trying to like Clearlight and getting just smashed and being like, well, I hate chipped pockets. And then, you know, years later coming back and be like, okay, fine. And then eventually like kind of liking it and then loving it and then be like, oh, this is great. And then, you know, the same thing with cave climbing and with juggy, steep, thuggy type climbing and then, and yeah, now I'm at a point where like I just went to Seiyus for a month and I had a real eye-opening experience because that really always felt like my cup of tea. And for the first couple of weeks of being there, I was like, God, I'm not as good at this anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is fucking hard. Yeah, like, totally. God, my forearms, are, I was like, it just felt like all of the stress was between my elbow and my wrist. Mm. And I was like, God, my, I think I'm, got my body a lot stronger climbing in Santalina and climbing in all these caves. But then I think my forearms and my fingers lost something, you know? And so I was like, fuck, really felt pushed around there. Mm. And that was good eye-opening experience, you know? And it's just funny, man. It's great. It's, it's like climbing, you know, as soon as you think you know something really well, then you, you get pulled away and then you lose touch with that. And then there's just always a way to be challenged. It's mm -hmm. so sweet. Yeah. My last couple of years, I've like really prioritized Waco and then climbing here in the park. Like I need to, I need to learn how to do thuggy steep shit, you yeah. know? And so, like similarly, it's transformed me as a climber. And I kind of thought in my head that I would be able to like put the Smith Rock and the Waco together <laughs> and, and like yeah, do yeah. everything. And, yeah. But it's, it's been way more of a trade, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, the... The experience and the skills and stuff are still there. I think they're just a little bit dusty, but um, but yeah, it's it's a weird feeling. I feel the same way. Like I go back to crimpy pimpy stuff, and um, it's it's rusty these days. Totally, yeah. And dude, you know what? It's there. It's like there. if I've had it, if I've if I've learned anything from the the experience of constantly transforming back and forth, at least with me, and some people are incredible at, at transitioning, but for me. As long as I have time, it's going to come back. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like I lost it altogether. I can still go to the fins and I can still, you know, go to Smith or whatever and do okay um, if I have time. But what I've learned, the lesson I've learned is that I can't be in Santalina for a month and then show up at Smith for a long weekend and think I'm going to do my best. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just not going to happen. So, you know, I have to be prepared to have a week of like, incredibly humbling experience have another week of like okay i'm almost there and then probably be ready you know that's pretty good two weeks yeah i i mean two <laughs> or three weeks it's something you know yeah yeah it, but yeah no, that's helpful to hear that the idea of like you know you're gonna climb intense sleep all summer and then i don't know show up at the hurricane or something mm. and smash like for me that's not gonna happen yeah like, i just need to anticipate that mm -hmm. yeah so I want to talk about this transformation and especially the last two years, because when we talked two years ago, episode 14, that first one that we did, I think you'd climbed like 10, 15 A's at the time, a couple 15 B's. And in the last two years, you've like basically doubled that. You've done four 15 B's now and <clears throat> almost twice as many 515s in general. 
you're 36. You're definitely your strongest ever. And it seems like you're still improving a lot, which is so sick. I hope like to think that. It's so inspiring, thanks, dude. Thanks yeah, I mean, lot. it's showing like in your trip to Spain. and But yeah, it, it makes me curious. I have a few questions for you about that. Yeah, yeah. So like reflecting on that, on your progress over all these years, I'm curious what you would attribute the progress in the last couple of years to. And if it's just accumulation thing, like if it's all these years focusing on these different areas all coming together, or have you been changing things to your approach to climbing and training? Hey friends, I hope you enjoyed that free teaser. If you want to listen to the full version, it's an hour and 32 minutes and 46 seconds, and it's packed full of nuggets the whole time. I really enjoyed this conversation with Jonathan. And if you want to listen to the full thing, you're going to have to pay for it because I can't give everything away for free. I do have to make a living doing this somehow. And yeah, if you sign up for Patreon, you're getting ad-free episodes, you're getting follow-ups, you're getting a link that you can plug into Apple Podcasts to listen to the Patreon version of the show so you can get all that content all in one place. But most importantly, what you are really doing is supporting the Nugget Climbing Podcast. I couldn't do it without you guys. It makes all the difference in the world to me, and I really appreciate your support. If you want to sign up, head over to patreon.com slash thenuggetclimbing. There's a link right there in your podcast app. It just takes a few minutes to sign up. You'll get instant access to everything, and you can cancel at any time, no questions asked. All right. Thank you, guys. I hope you have an amazing week. Best of luck with your projecting, and we will see you next time. Like we do it.